Praise the Lord again, church. How many glad to be alive today? Amen. It certainly is an honor to be here in the house of the Lord with you. My wife and daughter, they're not going to preach. I'm going to do all the preaching today. Uh, but everywhere we go, when they are with me, um, I always like to just introduce my family to the congregation before we get into the word. Is that all right? Yeah. Normally, I have to put them on the screen. Last time we were here, they won the screen, and Madison was just born, so my wife wasn't able to travel with us, but clearly she's here and alive and well, and she still needs Jesus, but y'all pray for her. This is my beautiful wife, Dominique Gill. And this is my daughter, Madison Giselle Gill, who is one. Say hi. And she's going to, look, say hi. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Told y'all, she not saved. <laughs> and we bring you greetings from our home in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, somebody said it's been some good weather this weekend. And I've been taking credit for that all weekend. Since we flew in, it's been beautiful. And then, of course, we bring you greetings from our church, where we are pastors, uh, the Encouragers Church in St. Louis, Missouri and uh, AKA CCC St. Louis. <clears throat> that's what I call it, because in my mind, that's where I'm at every week. Uh, but we certainly bring you greetings today. We're so glad to be here with you, and we give honor as a family to your church family, your body, your pastors, Dr. A.R. and Karen Bernard, and of course, your pastors here, my big brother, Jamal, and his beautiful wife, Rita, and family. We just are excited about being able to fellowship with you this morning on what you've called Compassion Sunday. How many of you are excited about generosity? Amen. It's a beautiful thing. And I'm going to share with you this morning just to encourage you, lift you up, and I pray that when you leave this place, you'll testify to somebody that you heard something that changed your heart. Amen? Amen. And made you better and strong. God bless you guys. She's going to go to Children's Church. Amen. So I can preach. Let's stand together real quick. Can I pray for you? Just before we get into the Word. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful atmosphere set by this amazing music ministry and worship team. And again, thank you so much for allowing me to share with you today. Father, we just thank you and we praise you for this. Another beautiful day, Lord God, for this is the day that you have made. And we are rejoicing and we're glad. Thank you, Lord God, for this another opportunity to minister to these your precious people. Thank you, Father, for opening every mind to understand, opening every ear to hear and every heart to receive. Father, continue to bless this ministry beyond measure. Bless the pastors, bless every leader, bless every member. And Father, I thank you in advance that those that have stepped up and those that will step up to sponsor a child that's in need, I thank you, Father God, that this will be the seed that will open up a dynamic and limitless harvest in the lives of these your precious people. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And every person who is blessed and highly favored, said amen. 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 And amen. Wait before you sit down. Before you sit down. I want you to help me preach real quick. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. neighbor. Wait a minute. Find somebody who looks blessed. Wait, wait. No, don't tell them that. I'm telling you to look at somebody who looks blessed. All right. Now, do you realize if you change people, you just offended somebody? All right, all right. Find somebody. Look at them. Say, neighbor. Say, I'm like, I got good news for you. Something good is about to happen for you and your entire family. Now, come on, if you believe that for your neighbor, go ahead and give God a shout. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Do you all stand for the reading of the word here? Is that what you do? Go ahead and sit down. Go ahead. I ain't breaking no rules. I love the word of God. How many of you love the word in here? All right. I love the Bible. I love the word of God, man. There's no, nothing like the word. It's 66 books. In fact, I don't even like to call the Bible a book in itself. I, I, I see it as a library of 66 books that release God's wisdom into our lives. I love the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. In fact, the Bible is still relevant in 2019, and I don't want anybody to ever forget that fact. In fact, I heard a preacher one time, he said, the Bible is more relevant today than today's news. It's more relevant and more attention-grabbing than the latest viral videos online. How many can say, man of God, I love the Word of God too? One thing I love about the Word, I, I love the Word and when you have to really study and when you got to dig and go deep and you got to research and you got to call your mentors to get an understanding. But I really love it when you come across those texts that are just plain as day. Easy to read, easy to understand. I love going through uh, different translations and I even appreciate some of the more contemporary uh, paraphrases because you do understand every uh, version of the Bible is not considered a translation, but there are popular paraphrases, like the Message Bible, it's a paraphrase of the word. And I appreciate all of those texts. I, I really love uh, Barnabas. He's my favorite uh, person in the Bible, other than Jesus, of course. But when we sometimes we look and say, well, who other than Christ uh, do you see yourself as if you look in the mirror? Barnabas is that person for me because he's an encourager. And I like to see myself as an encourager. Uh, but Isaiah is also one of my favorite in the Bible. The book of Isaiah is so relevant today that if we really take a look at the book of Isaiah and we really hear the declarations and the proclamations and even the prophecy that was released 700 years before Jesus showed up, you'd realize that Isaiah was talking to us. He's speaking to us in many ways. In Isaiah, the 32nd chapter, he's prophesying of the soon coming king. Now, I know y'all been talking about the king around here. Amen. The king, the king is coming. And then moving on into the next chapter, he begins to talk about the word being a sword. And then moving into the next chapter, he gives a description uh, of the anointing that would then come upon us when we embrace the king and we invite the king into our lives. And then watch this here, into community. But then uh, chapter number 35 gives us almost like pinpoint instructions here in the book of Isaiah as we're considering Compassion Sunday today of how we ought to be when we receive the king into our hearts. Now, how many of you can lift your hand right now and honestly say, I know the king and he lives in me? Who, who's there? He's here. Yeah. All right. All right. I know him. He lives in me. Now, listen to this here. I want to share this with you from the book of Isaiah chapter number 35. Uh, verse number one. I'll just start at verse number one and I'll just stop when I feel like it's necessary. Can we do that? All right. Isaiah 35. Now remember here, remember this, this was written 700 years before Christ, but I want you to hear it as if he's speaking to us as a prophet of God right here, right now today. And this is what the word of the Lord says in Isaiah 35, verse number one in the English standard version. It says the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad the desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy 
and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. Now, don't be confused when we name these different lands. These are just description of realms, okay? I want you to see yourselves here, but it says here, the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. So now he comes, we shall see, we shall experience. Now here's our responsibility in verse number three. He says, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense of God. He will come and save you. Now, verse number five moves down into the reward. We've received the king. We've been given instruction. And now here's what will happen. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. If you receive the word of the Lord, say amen. amen. He says in verse number three, I want you to really hear the instruction this morning. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, do what? Be strong and fear not. You know, when I look at this text here, what I feel is that God is searching for us to be responsible for creating an environment that he is comfortable invading. We're responsible for that. The Bible makes it clear that it is impossible to say you love God and not love people. In fact, 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For lovers of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God doesn't just have love. He doesn't just give love. He doesn't just look like love. He doesn't just release. But God is love. Say that with me. God is love. Which lets us know that it is possible to love people without loving God. But it's impossible to say you love God and you don't love people. This is why you notice that there are people who can embrace natural things and not embrace supernatural things, but we cannot embrace supernatural things without embracing or having an impact on natural things. You and I are responsible for carrying that. When you look at this word love, you're going to find the word compassion. Now, compassion, I want you to really hear this. It literally means to suffer together. It's defined as the feeling that arises when you're confronted with another person's suffering and then you suddenly feel motivated to fix it. Anybody feel like that? Many of you in this room right now, you fix situations and you don't even realize it simply because of the presence that's on your life. 
Let me give you an example. You're that person that sometimes you show up to work or you step into a room and people say to you, I'm so glad you showed up. And you're saying, why? I didn't do nothing. Well, it just seems like every time you come around, the atmosphere changes. Has that ever happened to anybody? Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, my goodness. We was waiting for you to get here. Why? Well, when you come, it was just a drama going on. But it seemed like when you show up, it just stops. And you don't open your mouth. You don't say nothing. You don't shut nobody down. But there's a presence that you carry that fixes things. You know what? You're a carrier of the presence of God. But just imagine if you put uh, into work, you say, I'm going to be intentional about being compassionate. I'm going to be intentional about releasing the glory of God on my life to fix somebody else's life. Do you not realize that even in this text, when he says, he says, speak to those that are, are, are anxious, speak to those that are in fear, speak to those that are going through and tell them fear not and tell them to be strong. You're putting to work the love of God in your life. There is no way that we can be believers and there's no sign of the love of God being released from us to people who need it. There is no excuse as to how we can be believers or how we can say that we're children of God and nobody outside of the four walls of your church know it. And I'm not talking about just wearing a t-shirt or having one of them little cool fish on the back of your car. Y'all remember those? They don't have those no more. You knew everybody was saved when you saw that fish. Oh, they must be saved. I ain't gonna blow at them. But I'm talking about literally being a carrier of the love of God. Where you intentionally step into a situation that you don't have to, but you do it just because you know that there's something on your life that can shift the situation. How many atmosphere shifters are in the room with me this morning? Our love for others is not only proven when things are going well for them, but how you step in in the middle of somebody else's struggle. Oh, that's how you prove compassion. I always say this, and I live like this. You'll always be remembered when you die. You're going to be remembered for something. There's two things I want you to think about. You'll either be remembered for the problems you created, or you'll be remembered for the problems you solved. What position will you take today? As we are in intentionally thinking about Compassion Sunday and intentionally taking a bold step of faith to say, God, use me to shift somebody's life. What problem will you be known for solving when the Lord calls you home? What ugly situation will you be known for shifting simply because you decided to get involved? It's worth it. Compassion says, I will suffer with you and even for you. Compassion says, I'll help you, watch this here, and go above and beyond in rescuing you, and I'll even protect your situation by not making a public announcement about it. I'll rescue you and deliver you out of a situation without going public. I I can pay your light bill And I don't have to go live on Facebook, tag your name and the amount of the bill just to get some likes for something I did. I can put clothes on your back and nobody ever has to know unless you testify. Are you hearing me somebody? 
I got to a place where I pray. I said, Lord, put people in my life that are willing to help me, love on me, be compassionate when I'm down, and they don't have to make an announcement and tell everybody what they did. I can't stand seeing folks bragging about what they have done and how they've delivered somebody and how they open the door for somebody as if themselves are God. Don't forget, when you do this thing, when you step out on faith with compassion, the glory isn't for you. The glory is for God. Compassion says, I'll be responsible for creating somebody's way of escape. Think about this. There are some people who are in captive situations. And then there's some people who are in prisoner situations. Captives are people who are bound because of somebody else's wrong. Prisoners, for the most part, are bound because of their own wrong. And oftentimes you got some Christians that believe that the only people who deserve compassion are captives because they're in a situation and they're bound and it's not their fault. Where Jesus came to say, I'm going to deliver the captives and I will deliver the prisoner. Even if it's somebody's fault that they're in the situation they're in, us being compassionate will say, I'm still willing to step into this situation with you. I know it's your fault. I know you weren't responsible, but I'm still going to rescue you because compassion is at work. Sympathy says, I'm willing to soothe it and rub you down and make you feel comfortable in your problem. Compassion says, not only am I going to help you feel comfortable while you're in it, but while I'm helping you feel comfortable while you're in it, I'm going to create a way of escape for you to come out of it. Are you hearing me? So don't be the person who feels as though oh, it's a person's fault that they're in a situation. I can't do nothing for you. You've heard that before. Maybe you've said it to a family member. Well, I told you to stay at work. I told you to pay your bills. I told you to stop shopping. I told you this and I told you that. No, compassion says, I know the truth about their weakness. I know they got themselves in a situation, but I'm still willing to do whatever I can to get you out hoping that maybe this time you'll learn the lesson and get it. Are you hearing me, somebody? Now, some of y'all are saying amen because somebody just called you this week asking you to pay their cell phone bill and you told them, never mind, let me stop, let me stop. I'm getting in your business. I'll be responsible for creating a way of escape. Watch this here. Compassion even says, and this one is a little bit, might be a little tough, but I want you to really get it. I tell this at my church, don't let this church be a place where you got to check your brain at the door. Use your mind here and go spiritual with me real quick. Sometimes even when you're having compassion, you've got to tell the person that you're having compassion for to stop praying. Uh-huh. Oh my God, that's, oh no sir, what do you mean preacher? Stop praying. No, don't tweet it because it's a little dangerous. Don't tweet that one. Sometimes the person that you're having compassion for, you've got to be so strong for them that you even tell them to stop praying. Or even there's been moments where I've had to tell somebody, stop trying to use your faith. Well, preacher, that don't make sense. Let me tell you, some people are not as strong as you are. And there will be situations that have them in such a bind and a situation that has them so bound and they're trying their best to hear what you've been telling them. They're trying their best to apply the word. They're trying their best to have faith and trust God to the point where that starts stressing them out. 
And then before you know it, they've tried to pray so hard and they've tried to use so much faith. Remember, they're not where you are, but they're trying so hard. They're pushing, they're pulling, they're pushing, they're pulling. They're praying, they're shouting, they're trying to speak in tongues. They're doing everything they can, hoping for a miracle to the point where it drains them and then they're turned off by the even thought of faith. And those of us who are mature in God have to get to the point where we recognize that in a growing believer and say, you know what? Don't pray not another day. And then you know what we do? We go into prayer for them. We begin to intercede for them. We begin to go above and beyond spiritually for them. Watch this here. Not just giving them an excuse not to pray, but as you're interceding for their situation, you're believing God is going to increase their faith. They don't even realize that while they've let it go and they're sleeping, their faith is growing, their strength is increasing because you decided to carry that burden for them spiritually. And by the time you see them again, for some strange reason, their faith has increased. Their spirit has changed. You know why? You taught them how to relax and you went to battle for them Passion is necessary if you're going to take that step for somebody else. If you receive that, say amen. I just want to know I'm making sense. Take on the burden for somebody else. I've seen it happen many times. Pastor, I'm not being healed. My financial situation is I've been praying. I've been praying. I tell them, don't pray. Because secretly, I'm going to step into their situation spiritually and begin to intercede on their behalf. When is the last time you really went into prayer and really went into intercession? You really dug deep, not for your own blessing and for your own benefit, but you really took time to go to the Lord for somebody else. When is the last time you helped somebody, not just somebody who who had a hurricane knock them out of the house, but somebody who just went shopping and didn't pay their bills and needed your help. When is the last time you decided to suffer on purpose for somebody else's benefit? When is the last time you recognize that you're the one that God is waiting on to pick somebody up? You know, there's three types of people in our lives. We got the people that are on our level, We've got people who are beneath us, and I don't say that to paint a picture that you're better than somebody or you're greater than somebody, but they're people who aren't where we are. But then there are people who are indeed above us. So we're responsible for keeping the people on our level encouraged. Then we're responsible for picking somebody up who's beneath us encouraged. And then we're responsible for allowing somebody else to have compassion for us when we are in time of need as well. When is the last time? You not only looked up and said, Lord, I need somebody to open the door for me. I need somebody to hook me up. I need somebody to invite me to the table. When's the last time you invited somebody to the table? That probably, according to popular belief, wouldn't be required or even worth it to be at your table. But you say, come anyway, because there's a level that I need to pull you to. There's a door I need to walk you through. Whenever the Lord in the Bible mentioned that he was moved with compassion, a miracle always followed. Always. When you look in the New Testament at the words of Jesus, whenever it says, and Jesus being moved with compassion, and Jesus felt compassion, a miracle always followed. Always. There was a story of a blind man. The Bible says, and Jesus moved with compassion, crossed paths with a blind man, and the blind man was healed. 
And Jesus moved with compassion. The multitudes were starving. They were hungry. Moved with compassion. Fed the 5,000 men, women, and children. And Jesus moved with compassion. Crossed paths with a leper. Leper was healed. And Jesus being moved with compassion. Young boy possessed with demons. In fact, there are multiple stories where there were people who were demon-possessed. But Jesus not being moved with judgment, but being moved with compassion. Deliver the evil spirits out of those who were struggling. And Jesus moved with compassion. Every time he was moved, glory to God, a miracle happened. Let me tell you something. If you have testified and all of you raised your hand at the beginning of this message telling me, Jesus lives on the inside of me. The king lives on the inside of me. I have a relationship with the king. I know the king. That same anointing rests on you. Jesus even declared, greater works shall you do. Watch this here. So think about this. If you just decide to be moved with compassion, it is automatic, it's mandatory that a miracle is moving with you. If you decide, that's say for the rest of 2019, maybe you've been a little selfish this year. Maybe you've been a little self-centered this year. Maybe it's been all about you. All right, I'm doing better this year. I'm going to get myself together this year. It's all about me doing this this year. I'm going to buy my first house this year. I'm going to start my business this year. I'm going to get married this year. I'm going to have my kids this year. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. This year is all about me. But I challenge you to take this to thought. If you say here in the sixth month of the year that for the rest of this year, I'm going to be moved with compassion. You might not even know who you're being moved for, but just know that if you allow compassion to take over your character and take over your spirit, miracles will follow not just to benefit those that you are compassionate for, but if a miracle is in the space that you stand in, guess who else is going to be blessed as a part of you moving for somebody else? Because I'm a firm believer that what we make happen for others, God will make happen for us. I've learned this in my life and I've been blessed because of it. That anything we do with pleasing God on our mind, it will never go unrewarded. I know I'm talking about compassion, it's not supposed to be about, but I want you to just stand here with me. Whenever you move for somebody else to release the love of God from your life, from your mouth, from your hands, to bless another, and your, your only intention is to be a benefit to somebody else, your actions will never go unrewarded. I believe God has a special way of opening the windows of heaven for people like you and me who go above and beyond, not just for the blessing on our lives, but we go above and beyond to bless somebody else's life. I really believe that God has ways of surprising us when he sees us take a bold step of faith. I know some people said $38 isn't a lot. It's not always about the amount. It's about the act of faith. It's about you being willing to release your love and being willing to release your faith to help somebody else have a come up and I really believe it that as we're helping somebody else come up there's somebody better than us there's somebody doing better than we are that will reach their hand down and it might not be the need for $38 but it may be a promotion it may be an opportunity for your business to thrive it may be bigger contracts for you to move it may be your college tuition getting paid off it might be your future husband or your wife however God sees fit to bless you you just stay in position by being compassionate you're opening yourself for God to move and when he does you'll look back and say this is your doing and it's marvelous in my eyes simply because I decided to act for somebody else first so know this today friends know this understand this pastors and preachers billionaires aren't the only people that have the ability 
to change a life. You have it in you. You have it in you. You could be the very one to be responsible, not just for a child, but for an entire family. How about this? Not just for a family, but what if God decides to use one step of faith that you take to shift and elevate an entire community? Generosity. The willingness to go above and beyond in giving. Not always looking for a reward in return, but making your thought process to be, my reward is to see a child smiling. You saw Pastor Jamal on the screen. He said the smile just lit up the room. That's your reward for going above and beyond for somebody. That's the reward of compassion to know that somebody didn't die waiting for you. To know that somebody didn't commit suicide waiting for a Christian to be Christ-like here on earth. Are you hearing me, somebody? Who can you honestly say is alive and well now? And if they gave their testimony, they would call your name and say it was him that pulled me up. It was her that prayed for me. It was that family that opened their doors and allowed me to stay with them for a few weeks until I got out of that abusive relationship. It It was that church and somebody from that church that volunteered to keep my refrigerator full while I was in time of need. Somebody over in Uganda, South America. The struggle in most parts of the earth will one day be a president. One day be one of the most celebrated doctors in the whole wide world. One of the most well-respected pastors in Christian leaders in the world. 20 years from now, it'd be 28, 29 years old, simply because you filled out a slip and said, I can sacrifice $38 a month. I can be compassionate. I'm not just going to show sympathy. We can give sympathy because some of us just gave a little sympathy and said, oh my goodness, I feel so sorry for those kids. But then the ones who say, I'm going to be compassionate say, let me get up and sponsor one of these kids because this goes beyond sympathy Compassion says this $38 can create a way of escape. This, this, This sponsorship can be the key that opens the door for a young child to move from poverty to prosperity. I'll never forget it. I planted my first church in New Haven, Connecticut. That failed miserably, by the way. I don't mind saying that. One thing that we did every week, Deacon Amos will tell you, we only had about 20 people attending that church. And every Sunday, we would go to this place called the New Haven Green. I don't know how many of you are familiar with New Haven, but the New Haven Green. And this was almost like just the, the, the landing spot for the entire homeless community there in New Haven. And so we'd walk around, and we had our T-shirts on, and we had bottles of water, and we had little, little snacks and fruit and different items like that, and... Of course, little Bibles and tracts that we would go around. And man, I'm going to just be honest with you. I thought I was the man. I'm a young guy, pastor in the church, and we're going to go and we're going to bless people. And I had them take pictures while we're doing this. You know those pictures you see online. You see the preacher walking around. It makes them look real important, you know. And, and I wanted to put all that on the internet and show people, oh, look what I'm doing. I'm blessed, and we're giving back, and we're giving back. Just doing it out of my heart, but at the same time thinking that it was necessary to put on a show. 
And I'm just bold and I'm, I'm all confident in this situation. Oh, yeah, these folks, they're going to be glad we showed up. And I'm preaching and I'm walking and I'm encouraging people. And we're laying hands on them and they're being blessed. And folks are crying and catch that moment, get a picture of it. And one man, I'll never forget him. His name was Dumas, right? Dumas. And while I was doing my little I'm your savior speech, he cut me off. And he said, young man, let me tell you something. I said, tell me, brother. He said, I got more joy than you. I said, yeah, tell me about it. I'm thinking it's going to be a real, real way for me to kind of shift gears and lay hands on them and be a miracle worker again or something like that, you know. He said, I got more joy than you. He said, you walking around here with your church, your nice clothes. We seen you pull up in your nice car and you giving away stuff. And he said, I got more joy than you. He said, I don't need you to tell me God loves me. I know he loves me because I'm alive. He said, I know he loves me. He said, because I've been homeless 12 years. He said, I know he loves me. He said, because I've seen people out here that are dead and gone, but I'm still alive. He said, I know he loved me already. I don't need you to preach to me. He said, I got real joy because when I do see my family, they love on me. He said, when I do uh, uh, cross paths with other people, I meet people that are in a worse situation than me. He said, I know he loves me. He said, I got real joy, brother preacher. Because I know I'm saved, and I know that even if I'm living on these streets, God's going to send somebody to bless my life and going to help me get on my feet the right way, not people like you that's out here putting on a little show just to do it so somebody can clap for you. God's going to put real people out on this field that's going to lift me up and help me come out of this miserable situation. He said, I know he loved me, and I don't need you to tell me, and after a while, you're going to look back, and you're going to see me at another level. You're going to see me at a greater place because I'm for real about this thing. Man, it broke me down. I felt like an idiot. Because here I am putting on a show. Can I be transparent? I mean, I'm, I'm putting on a show to impress people, and it really wasn't compassion. It was only for me. And God did not reward that behavior. In fact, He sent that man to let me know get your act together and be real about this thing. And ever since my mind changed, I ain't never been fussed out by nobody else since then. My mind changed, my heart changed, and I learned, Marcus, you can't be moved by the show. Don't give because somebody gonna clap for you. If nobody ever sees you give a dime, if nobody ever sees you do a thing, know that compassion is what moved you, the miracle followed, and not only is the person that you step out and bless gonna be blessed, but you are gonna be rewarded at the same time because you moved with the heart of God. Let's stand together. So I remind you again, strengthen the weak hands. Who do you know? Who do you know that's weak right now? I know you're going to make a move and support compassion, but who do you know even personally who's weak? Strengthen their hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong. Matter of fact, tell somebody right beside you right now, say, be strong, be strong, be strong, be strong. Now tell somebody on the other side, say, fear not, fear not, fear not. Then he says, God will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. 
and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute shall sing for joy. Through you now, and I'm talking about you. Through you, when you move with compassion, when you move with generosity, when you stand with dignity and say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice myself for somebody else, waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty grounds shall spring of water. It's up to you today. It's up to you. You can demonstrate the love of God by being compassionate. Your actions, your life, your behavior, the way you speak, the way you think, the way you release the love of God will create an atmosphere for God to feel comfortable invading. Not just for the benefit of you, but what you do will benefit somebody else. Amen? Amen. If you receive that word, wave your hand and say, I received that word today. Hold hands with somebody real quick. Let's pray. Father, thank you for speaking to us today on Compassion Sunday. Thank you, Lord, for challenging us to go above and beyond for the benefit of somebody else. Help us, Lord, not to be judgmental. Help us, Lord, not to just be sympathetic, but help us to go to another dimension. Help us to move to the realm of compassion where we are literally willing to struggle for the benefit of somebody else's worth. Father, thank you that as we move with compassion to bless another, knowing that what we do brings you glory, thank you, Lord, that our actions won't go unrewarded. Reward us, Lord God, knowing that what we've done has changed the life. But Father, thank you that you'll yet open the windows of heaven and bless us in ways greater than we could ever dream or imagine simply because we trust you, we love you, and we honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said amen, amen, Amen. Amen. and amen. Thank you for letting me share with you today. God bless you.